All right, we've been in this amazing series, you probably heard it this morning, Undefeated. We've been championing the greatness of our God. We've been championing the fact that He is an amazing King. The Bible says God sits in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. How many of you know that's power? God sits in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. And the goal behind all of this is while there's a shaking going on, much of the evangelical church is looking for a place to hide. And I told you before, we should not be looking for a place to hide. We should be looking to run to the next battle. Because if you know who you are and your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ, your identity is in the covenant God that we follow and love and serve, then there should be a sense of holy swagger. That was another series I did that, was, that I really liked. It was called Swag, all right? There's a sense of swag that God's people should have because we have resources that normal people don't have. We have a relationship with God. We have a covenant with our Creator. And the more you know Him and the more you know who He is and the more you know who you are, the more spiritual swag you should have. In other words, we're like David. You stand in the face of the giant. You don't run and hide. You stand and you prophesy to giants. Can I get an amen here, all right? So this is a time for the church to arise. It's a time for us to declare the wisdom of God and the power of God. And how many of you know God looks for opportunities in the earth to flex His righteous right arm? He looks for opportunities, uh, to use our vernacular, to show off, to demonstrate His power and His kindness and His goodness. And I just think we're in a, we're in a ripe time for God to display His goodness and his love and his power. I think, we're, I think the time is incredibly ripe. And I pulled a quote here out of one of David's wonderful books. Uh, he told me, thanks for mentioning this book because those books are almost gone after first service. You'll have to race out there to get some more uh, before they're out. But this was an amazing book I read by David. It was called Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel. And I leave my eyeballs over there, hon. See if you can find my eyeballs. I can't see, but that's not as good as I would like to. All right, so... All right, well, here we go. Are those? No, is these just, Lynn, they look good. <laughs> Appreciate it. Greater love knows no woman than to lay down her life for her pastor. All right, here we go. <laughs> David was quoting a, uh, a famous rabbi who said this, and this is really the spirit of, of what we're doing in this series. The purely righteous do not complain of the dark, but they increase the light. Can I get an amen on that? They don't complain of evil, but they increase justice. They don't complain of heresy, but they increase faith. They don't complain of ignorance, but they increase wisdom. That is the spirit behind this message. I'm wanting to highlight for you the greatness of our God, the greatness of His kingdom. And then two weeks ago, we highlighted the fact that Jesus' resurrection from the grave where He conquered death and every enemy of ours and where He was powerfully exalted to the Father's right hand 40 days later, that's some power right there. That means what the Bible says is Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand until every enemy has made His footstool. And I shared with you last week, Jesus is waiting until. If, if He's waiting, what is He waiting for? That's a great question. I don't know about you, but when there's important people, I don't want to keep them waiting. You know, there's no more important person than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you don't want to keep him waiting. What is he waiting for? Until his enemies are made his footstool. Who's bringing about the making of the enemies of, of the gospel, the enemy of our king, his footstool? That is the role of the church. 
And we don't do that with swords like radical Islam. We're not out forcing people to convert. We're not chopping people's heads off. We're not doing any of those types of wicked things. But the sword that Jesus has coming out of his mouth in the book of Revelation is not a sword, a material weapon. It is the word of the Lord, which is always pictured as a sword in Scripture. How do we see nations bow their knee before the gospel and before Jesus Christ? It's through the preaching of the gospel and through the laying our lives down in sacrificial service. I love what David did. Uh, when the terrorists came and they were out to destroy he and his son and are out to destroy their way of life and ultimately how many of you know terrorism is out to destroy our judeo-christian way of living when when the enemy strikes he does not strike back with the same way he comes back and says you know what god what what the enemy meant for evil god's going to turn into something good and i'm going to turn our pain and the pain of so many others into healing and restoration how many know that's a godly vision of how we attack evil and how we're not passive about it and how we don't run from it but we run to it and we believe hear me we believe that when we as god's covenant people show up God backs his word and he backs his people by demonstrating the strength of his power. And I'm telling you, we should be excited about the time in which we're living. We should be excited about the opportunities in front of us. We should be more bold and full of faith and moving forward than we ever have. Am I talking to the right church here this morning? You guys are kind of quiet on me this morning. And and we should be about the mission of our Father. We do not want to miss our tiny spot in his story, remember we said that the one who has the authority to narrate human history is the one who has the authority to tell the whole story. There is only one that has the authority. It's God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. He has the authority to narrate human history. So here's my thing. I want to line myself up with a Judeo-Christian, God-saturated view of history so that I'm not irrelevant, impotent, and insignificant. None of you were created to be irrelevant, impotent, and insignificant. You were created by God to leave an impact in your generation. And I mean, you know, when we come together as God's people, we leave an even greater corporate impact than we do by ourselves. And so this is an encouraging word this morning. But here's the deal. I'm wanting to establish what I said was a theology of hope. People are going to be coming to God's church, all right? People are going to be coming to covenant people looking for answers. Not looking for hopelessness. Not looking for negativity. Not looking for victims. Looking for wisdom. The mountain of the Lord is going to be exalted in the last days, and people are going to be running in to find answers. You and I carry the answer inside of us. We carry the truth of God's word with us and in our hearts. We're going to be able to provide wisdom for the incredible complex problems that are facing human beings. And God's going to back up and defend his great name and his great authority and the beauty of who he is. That's what I believe is coming. And I believe we're going to see a great move of God in our time. All right, so get ready. Get ready for a great move of God. Not only corporately across the nations, but get ready for a great move of God in your life personally. God is on the move. And so here's the deal in this in this series I'm preaching. I want to lay some pillars and I'm going to give you some words that start with a P like good pastors do. We speak with words that rhyme so that good sheep can remember those words, all right? It's a speaking technique. So we're talking about pillars for a theology of hope and the first pillar I want to give you is the doctrine of providence. Everybody say providence with me. 
Let me also mention, before I get too far along, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Glad you guys are here. We want to welcome everybody in our overflow room this morning. We're glad you all are with us. Uh, It's a privilege that you would take time to join us this morning. Let's take a look at God's global providence. In other words, I put there on the screen, God is large and in charge. Can I get an amen on that one? Don't serve a pathetic, tiny, wimpy, powerless God. He will do you no good. Don't serve fake gods, pagan gods, weak gods. Serve the God of the Bible. He is large. He is in charge. He is all-powerful. And how many know we're in covenant with Him? That is our God. Providence is this. It means, if you look at the word providence, the root word is provide. And we break it down into two parts. The prefix pro is a Latin word for forward. And vide, which is the core of that word, means to see. So providence literally means to see forward or to foresee, but it's more than just the foreknowledge of God. This is important. Of course, God is omniscient. He knows the beginning from the end. God is eternal. He is outside of time. He knows tomorrow before he's already been there. You all understand. I mean, that's what it means to be the eternal God. But I want you to see something here about this word providence. The word provide means to supply what is needed or to give sustenance or support. If you've ever heard somebody, you know, you have a need or situation, I just, Michael Cade just blessed me this morning. This is what he said. He said, Pastor, I'll take care of it. Or we might say something like this, I'll see to it. How many of you know if you say, I'll see to it, that means take a break, you don't have to think about it. The person that just said that has it all covered. They're seeing to it. They're taking care of it. It's all going to be fixed. When God says he sees something, it means he's got it. It means he's taking care of it. It means you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to stress about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to freak out about it. God's basically saying, I'm going to see to it. I'm going to take care of whatever needs to be done. And if you look in the Bible to Genesis chapter 22, this is the biblical account of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. And on the way up the mountain, Isaac asked this question. He said, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And listen to Abraham's reply in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, because this is where we get our understanding of providence. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God will provide for himself the lamb. And you know the story. When they came to the place of sacrifice... God directed Abraham to a ram that was caught in the briars. And in Genesis 22, verse 14, this is what it says. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Now, in the Amplified Version, I like it because it captures this whole idea of seeing and provision. It says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. Now, this is good. Why does the doctrine of providence give us hope for living right here, right now, Northwest Indiana, 2021, October? Why does this provide us with confidence? Here's why. If God is the creator of the universe, which we know he is, that was, not a, that was a rhetorical question. Since God is the creator of the universe, God comes with the created, comes the sustaining of what he created. Which means God is a seeing God, and when God sees something, he doesn't just see it and then sit back passively with his arms folded as if he doesn't care. To see, from a Hebrew perspective, means to see and to act upon what needs to be done. God sees something, and he acts upon something. Can I just remind you all this morning? God sees your life. 
Nothing that is done in secret is hidden from the Lord. Nothing that is performed in darkness is hidden from God Almighty. God sees you like nobody else sees you. There are people who say, man, I just don't feel known. I just wish someone would pay attention to me. God, are you really there? God, if God is your creator, then God is the seer of your life. And God also says, I'll see to it, which means he promises to sustain every detail about your life, including the oxygen you're breathing in your lungs right now. So I ask you this question. So what is there to fear? So what is there to worry about? So what is there to be shaken about? It means you get back and you realize who you are in covenant with. Do you know the covenant is a powerful thing? When God makes a covenant with us, that's a powerful thing. It's an unbreakable thing. It is, his, it is the commitment of Almighty God to see you and to sustain you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God sees you. Just tell them that. Turn to the person on your right and your left. God sees you, all right? And I want you to tell them this. This is important because you're, you're, you're prophesying. So, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Tell them this. God not only sees you, but God is sustaining you. Tell them that right now. Somebody needs to hear that. You see, when God sees something, he acts. And wherever God is looking, he is acting. And the doctrine of providence means God's active provision and care over the universe he created. Now, I told you this before. I'm so sick and tired of people that are always trying to make people hysterical. We're hysterical over COVID. We're hysterical over global warming. In fact, our president just said the two greatest threats to humanity are COVID and global warming. No. No. A thousand times no. The God who creates the cosmos sees the cosmos and, listen to me, sustains the cosmos. Now, our job is to steward the cosmos. We're not to abuse the planet. We're to steward the planet. But can we stop freaking out and stop living pagan, godless lives over all this global warming stuff and start believing that the creator is a sustainer? That's what the Bible teaches. Listen to me. God will not abandon the world he created. I told you this before. The devil is a liar. The devil's never created a thing. The devil's an abuser, a usurper, a destroyer. The devil it mistreats, he twists, he perverts. God's not going to give Satan one thing to boast about. God is a restorer. He's a redeemer. He's a healer. He created this planet. He's going to restore this planet to its full glory. That's the truth. So look at what Nehemiah 9 verse 6 says. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. Can I encourage you in this culture where everybody's secular and we've lost God, we've lost our Judeo-Christian heritage to some degree, uh, we're getting it back, but we've lost it to a large degree. When you see a beautiful Indiana sunset, can you please pause and lift your hands to God Almighty and worship the King of glory and look at the beauty of his creation and honor God for the amazing artist that he is, all right? That's the way Christians move. God creates the skies and the heavens and all the stars, made the earth, made the seas, everything in them. And look at what the next verse says. You preserve them all. 
and all the angels in heaven worship you. You know, we got a, we got a, a, a little p- picture today as we were partaking of worship. We got a little picture of what all of the angelic hosts were doing in the presence of the Lord today. Isn't that awesome? We get to join all the angelic hosts in worshiping the King of glory. Amazing. So here's the deal. When God creates something, he sustains it. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.17, that's why we sang this song today. You know, most of the time I don't mess with the song list, but I confess I messed with the song list this week. Because you know what? That song we sang at the end, he holds it all together. Oh, one of my favorites. Oh, I love that song. Because what it says is, it's the doctrine of providence put to music. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He's in the middle. He's at the beginning. He's at the end. And you know what? He holds it all together. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus Christ existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Think about the power that was just demonstrated in that verse. He holds it all together by his will. This is sheer power and authority that we're celebrating. And listen, you're in covenant with him. That's who you're in covenant with. Look at what it says. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Now listen, if that's not a reason for hope today, I don't know what is. I say this, I'm with him. You know, what do you tell the devil? I'm with him. I speak in his name, I operate in his authority, I'm under his covenant, I'm in partnership with the king of glory, I'm with him. When you start having things mess with your life, what do you, st- what do you tell the enemy? I'm with him, I'm in covenant with the one who holds the universe together, he sees me, he sustains me, he holds my life together, don't mess with me, that's what you say, don't mess with me. So you have to understand who you are. You have to understand who he is. You have to understand the relationship that we have in covenant. But this gets better, all right? How many of you are grateful that the world in which we live is not ruled by uh, evil dictators? It's not ruled by by, uh, godless politicians. It's not ruled by the Supreme Court. It's not ruled by uh, tiny little puppet gods, little false idols. It's ruled by the one who created the universe, God Almighty. He rules over the nations of the world. That's who we appeal to. That's who we talk to. And he sees you and he sustains you. But let's bring it down to a personal level. Let's talk very quickly here about personal providence. The Bible says, this is David speaking, Psalm 31. My times are in your hands. Say that with me. My times are in your hands. How many of you believe that about your life? This should set you free. Think about this. God knows my beginning. He knows when I was conceived. And he knows the end of my life. How many of you believe that's true? That's the Bible. That's the Bible. So my times, all of them, are in the Lord's hands. That's a safe place to be. You can exhale. And you know what? Because you're in his hands, he sees you. And he promises to sustain you. And God's doing something in the earth today, which means if you're partnering with him, you are right aligned with the purposes, the priorities, the power of God. I mean, you know, the safest place to be is in the will of God. Amen. I said this during COVID. 
We're not supposed to be stupid. We don't run out in front of semis, jump off buildings and stuff like that. That's stupid. But we are supposed to live in faith and trust the Lord. And I just believe this. You know, I've never had a problem running into hospital rooms with someone who's got, got COVID and laying hands on them and praying for Jesus to heal them because I believe that's who we are. We don't run from diseases. We run to people who have needs. And we take the authority that we've been given in Jesus' name and we pray for the sick and we pray against demonic strongholds and we don't run from sickness. We believe God is more powerful. And here's what I believe. I don't know about you. My life is in his hands. Well, pastor, when you go to places like Pakistan, don't you believe that that's dangerous? Of course it's dangerous. It's one of the only places I ever preached where a guy's standing behind me with machine guns. But here's what you do. You take the great commission seriously and you go and then you let the Lord put the brakes on that's what you do and so you preach the gospel you preach the gospel you preach the gospel and you operate as if there is a sense of immortality until God's done with me I don't fear death. Jesus has conquered death. I don't fear death. How about you? I think it's time the church started actually living and believing what we preach. That's what I think. We're called to go into dangerous places, but listen. When you go into dangerous places, knowing who you're in covenant with, you go in realizing nobody's taking you alive unless God allows it to happen. You know, it wasn't David's time. It wasn't his son's time during that terrorist attack. He'll share tonight about the details of the miracles that were over his life, how God intervened. Now, how many of you know when you live through an experience like that, you realize you're still on planet Earth because of the assignment of God Almighty, and you live your life differently than you lived beforehand. There's a sense of destiny over your life. I just want to tell you, you have destiny over your life. Live that way. Live fearlessly, live boldly, live aggressively, know whose kid you are, and act like it. That's what I'm telling you, all right? I love the way the Passion Translation says this. My life, my every moment, my destiny is all in your hands. Man, I love that. How many of you have seen those pictures? They're, they're called photo mosaics. They're pictures that are made up of little teeny pictures, all right? And when you stand up close to the mosaic, you can see the individual picture. But when you step away from up close and you look from a distance, what happens? A, a picture, an image emerges from all the little individual pictures. Now, when you get real close, that's where we're at. We don't have the 40,000-foot view like God does. We're just right here in the, in the trees, all right? How many of you know when you're in the trees? I'm looking at my life right now. Yay, Pastor Dick. He's in my life. But I don't know what the future is going to hold for me because I'm not God. You with me? All I know is, is my, my present and I know my past. Some of my past has been good. How about you guys? Some of my past, not so good. Some of my past has been full of blessing. Some of my past has been full of pain. Am I speaking to the right crowd? But here's the beauty of it. We sang about it. This is why it means so much to me. He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of everything in between. His love for you never changes. He sees you. He sees you. He sustains you. He's in covenant with you. He'll never quit on you. He's making all things work together for his good and for his glory. And so here's what you're going to do. Someday he's going to let you stand back and have his vantage point over your life. It'll be like the ESPN highlight reel of your best plays, all right? And some of your most painful moments. Some of you have gone through a lot of pain this year. We all face the pain of this broken life. 
But here's the beauty of it. When God pulls you back and lets you see the picture that emerges, every single picture is beautiful. Listen to me. Every single picture in this room is beautiful. Because that's the greatness of God. You have to trust him. When you're going through the hard times, just realize you're real close and you're seeing a picture that's not so pleasant, as dark, as painful, as sad. But you know what? It's not the only picture of your life. Hang in there. Keep trusting. God sees you. God sustains you through your hardest times. Guess what? There's some good pictures coming. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's the promise from Scripture. When I'm going through a hard time, I just remind the devil. <laughs> the goodness of God is right around the corner, and I'm going to remind you about it when it comes, because I hate your guts, and God's going to deal with you, and my king is on the throne, and he sees me, and he sustains me. Every little detail God redeems. All of my life is in his hands, and he makes sense out of all the individual pieces. My times are held literally in the hand of the timeless one. Isn't that great? My times are held in the hands of the timeless one, the God who fills eternity. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Here's the point I want to get you in your, in your heart today if you leave. I want you to hear this. What God creates... God sustains. Say that with me. What God creates, God sustains. How many of you know when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible calls you a new creation? The Bible says, behold, all things have become new. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Who is responsible for the new creation? God Almighty. He's a, remember, He is a redeemer. He redeems what was lost. So check out. When the Bible says God sustains what he creates, I want you to hear this because listen to what the Bible says about your salvation. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Jesus is the author, but he's also the... Can I just tell you something? There might be some of you in this room, you felt like, man, I feel far from God. I started off good, but I fell. Man, I'm in a ditch. I feel so far from God. Let me tell you something. It was God who began the process in you. And guess who's big enough to finish what he started? Because what God starts, he sees you, and he sustains you, and he completes what he began, and he, he's the author who doesn't stop the book right in the middle. He brings the book all the way to its completion, the end, all right? And I will say this, when we get to see the mosaic, here's the end, and they lived happily ever after. That's the kind of stories God writes, all right? So be a part of his story. Look at what it says in Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work. Check this out. Here's an amazing promise. Until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So here we are. We're living our lives as best as we can before God Almighty. Guess what? He who began the good work. Anybody have a good work started in you? He's going to continue it, which means God is at work right now in your life, and he's never going to quit. He is a faithful God. He'll never leave you stranded. He'll never, never leave you halfway. He is bringing his work in you to completion, and he will finish what he started. Now, let me just ask you a question. Is this encouraging to anybody besides me? <laughs> there, are some, there are some people... 
There's some people that are like, man, I just feel like I'm behind. I feel like I, I need to catch up. I feel like I wasted so many years. Can you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here. Stop it. The God who started his work in you, whenever he started that work, will bring it to completion and to a glorious end. You're going to finish the race set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me take you to John chapter 10, another great passage. I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. Jesus said this, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. I see them. I sustain them, right? And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful. I want you to hear what Jesus says about the Father. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch you from the Father's hand. Those are power verses. I just picture myself sometime in the giant, if God had a hand, we know God's a spirit, but if God had a hand, how big that hand must be. And I picture myself right in the center of God's hand. And his promise to his believers is this. No one is big enough, bad enough, strong enough to knock you out of the strong providential grip of God. And I told you all about our cute little dog we got. Actually, it's Marion's dog, but I, I like it a lot too. It's really sweet. It's your guys' sister dog, Macy, Macy's sister, cool dog, this dog is only like this big dog, I've never had a dog that small, it's just like, and it hops around everywhere, it's really fun, so the other day, we throw it on the bed, Marion's in bed, the dog's biting her ear, biting her nose, you know, they got those little tongues, they clear out your ears, they clear out everything, it's just amazing, and, uh, and then this little dog just curls up right in my armpit, sound asleep, I'm sitting there looking at this tiny little creature, and then the Lord Reminds me, you know that tiny little dog snuggling there in your powerful armpit, all right? Uh, safe place. Lord just reminds me about verses like that. You know what? I got you. I got you. I love you. I'm for you. You're precious to me. I adore you. I value you, I see you, I care about you, I know everything about you, and I'm committed to protecting you and bringing you to the end of your journey, because I'm so big and so bad and so powerful and so awesome, no one can snatch you from my hand. This is power talk, this is like John Wayne, you know, Clint Eastwood, uh, this is power talk, like make my day, are you kidding me? This is who we're in covenant with. And I don't know about you, there should be a, a certain sense of swag. Not, not cockiness, not pridefulness, not arrogance, but just like this. Do you know who my dad is? Did, isn't that what David did? David said, do you know who my dad is? And he's cursing the children of Israel. He's mocking them. And then David starts going, I'm sorry but I'm going to cut your ugly head off and feed it to the birds. Do you, this is what he, I'm paraphrasing. Do you know who you're talking about? Do you know who you're mocking? Listen to me. This is what gives us courage to run to the battles today. My destiny, my life is in his hands. 
And we need to act like God is as big and powerful and awesome as he says he is. I'm ending with this. Partnering province. While God is sovereign over human history and we believe he is, this doesn't mean our personal choices are insignificant, don't matter, everything's determined, all that kind of stuff. Who am I? Fatalism, passivism, victimhood, all that kind of stuff. How many know God always gives his people the opportunity to join what he's doing? And I don't know about you, but I want to partner with God's providential activity. In other, in other words, you can either wake up in the morning and you're just, you know, sing that, we don't need no education, you know, uh, just another brick in the wall. How depressing is that? I'm just another brick in the wall. No, I'm not. I am created in the image of God, redeemed by God, covenant with God. He's the charge of human history. Come on. How about this? How about we wake up and say, let's make history today, his story today, through us partnering with him. You know, sometimes people say, you know, we have two choices. We can serve God's purpose or we can stop God's purposes. Can I pop your bubble? You can't stop the purposes of Almighty God. Who do you think you are? You can either align yourself with God's agenda, or listen to me, you can be irrelevant and be tossed in the dustbin of human history because you missed your destiny and you missed your time. I don't know about you, but I want to partner with the providential one, the one who sees and sustains. And listen to me, I love opportunities. You know what? In this year, when we're raising money for our expansion, we have given away more money this year than any other year. Can I just tell you something? I love it. You know why I love it? Because God has to supernaturally provide for our future. But I'm preaching here that God sees our future and that God sustains our future. Because you know why? That's what the Bible says. So here's the choice we have. We can live like pagan people who don't have a God, or we can believe that God orders our times with perfect wisdom. Let me say that again. Do you believe God's ordering your times in perfect wisdom? In other words, he knows what he's doing. And check this out. He never makes a mistake. Can I get an amen on that one? And so here's what you do. Ready for this? It's going to set somebody free. Somebody needs to hear this today. Enjoy the ride. I've got eight kids Whenever we attempted to leave our house to actually go on vacation, you guys know that's a step of faith right there, all right? <laughs> we pull out of the driveway. We're not to the first stop sign at the end of the street, and you know what they're asking. Are we there yet? Are we getting close? <laughs> like little puppies. And this is what I, that's when I usually give my dad's speech. Hey, guys, your dad's behind the wheel. I would tell him I know where I'm going, although sometimes that was not proven to be true, but I would tell him I, would, <laughs> I knew where I'm going, and we're going to an amazing place, and we're going to have a ton of fun. So here's what you do. Enjoy the ride. Have fun. Enjoy each other. Quit fighting in the back seat. Enjoy the ride, and we trust him with all of our times because, listen, that which is left in the hand of the Lord, prospers. 
So what do I do with my kids if I'm a smart parent? Hey, kids, I'm going to transfer you from my care into your father's care, your heavenly father's care, because everything placed in his hands prospers. What do I do if I'm a businessman or a businesswoman? I want to make sure my business is placed in the hands of the Lord because everything in the hands of the Lord prospers. What do we do if we're looking to go to unreached peoples to share the gospel? What do we do? We put those plans in the hands of the Lord because we want our plans to prosper in his hands. What do you do if you want to live with faith and hope and joy and make the biggest impact possible? You take your life. You put it in the hands of your Father and let Him prosper you. What we have seen with our Jewish friends over the years because of their covenant with God and because of the principles of the law which they abide by and they honor, how many of you have ever known a blessed Jewish person? I should ask this question, actually. How many of you have ever known a not blessed Jewish person? That would be a smaller group. Because it's the truth. God's people have literally moved in God's blessing all through human history. And so we honor that because God's word is true and let, every, let God be true and every man a liar. So we honor his word and we believe his word, which is why we honor our dear friend today because we want to bless Israel. And if I have one request of all of you in this place, it's simply this, that before you leave, you have a chance to stop by and pick up some good materials, come back, back tonight if you can, bless on the way out. But David, from our heart to you, our desire is two things. We want you to know how much we love you, how much we honor you, how grateful we are that you're here with us today, coming a long way to be with us. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for blessing on your life, on your ministry, that it would prosper in God's hands. And we just want you to know we are greatly honored by you being here today. Stand to your feet, will you? Can, can you do this with me? Can, can we just find our little life? It's, it's in that big hand. Try to find it somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find mine right now. I think it's right there. That, that's my life, by the way, in the grand scope of things. It's actually greatly enlarged. But I'm going to put it in the Lord's hands. How about you? And I'm just going to do this. I'm going to enjoy the ride. Father, I pray for faith to fill the hearts of your people. I pray that despair and hopelessness and fear and worry and all the stuff the devil peddles in, we break the power of all that over this church family. Lord, we're going to move in the joy of the Holy Spirit. We're going to move in passion for your son Jesus. We're going to be about your vision, God, in the earth. Lord, we're not going to shrink back. We're going to move forward, Lord. God, we're going to be problem solvers. We're not going to be whiners and complainers. God, we're going to be problem solvers. I pray for the wisdom of heaven to fall on people in this room, Lord, that they would have the wisdom that they need to make the decisions in front of them right now. And Father, we pray for the greatest harvest that we have ever witnessed, Lord, to hit planet Earth. God, that you would bring people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue. Bring them, Lord, to the church. Bring them to your people. Let them fall before Jesus as we sang about today, confessing him as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I even extend an opportunity this morning. There might be somebody in this room today that you're far from God, but God sees you and God loves you and God knows that you're here. And today is a day of breakthrough and destiny over your life. 
So I encourage you, we have wonderful, friendly, smiling faces up here waiting for you. Come and give your life to Christ today and submit to him today. Father, we commit our lives to your hands. We submit to your providence, Lord. You're so much smarter and so much bigger, so much wiser. And you got a much better vantage point, Lord, than we ever will have. So we trust you with our future. Can you do that right now? I mean, just tell the Lord right where you're at. Just with your own lips, just tell the Lord, I trust you, Father, with my life. I, I trust you with my future. Some of you are facing an uncertain future in your own mind. Just tell the Lord right now, I trust you. And here's what the Lord says. I, I see it. I got it. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it taken care of. Just trust me. So, Father, thank you. Burdens right now are being lifted. Thank you for eyes being opened. Thank you for faith flooding our hearts. And, Lord, we give you all the glory for it. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen.